return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. But yeah, it's just good to live your life in such a way to love Jesus and have fun. Good, clean fun, right? Right. Amen. All right. Let's stand and take our Bibles for a second. Say with me, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Okay, so we're going to, uh, as part two, I, I shared some a few weeks ago on, on identity, but today I want to continue in a whole other aspect of that, all right? So uh, we, all, we all have identification of some sort, as you get older anyway. If you've got a driver's license, you've got identification. If you go overseas and so forth, you have to have a passport. Uh, passport is very important, all right? So it's very important that uh, you have one. It shows who you are. Uh, it shows your gender. It has your identification, all these things like that, that says who you are, where you live, so on and so forth. Family background, all that. You know, they research all those things and so forth. Incidentally, a passport, you don't own your passport. I don't know if people know that. The government owns your passport. Okay, so you don't actually own your passport. The government owns your passport. It is the government. So if they say, want it back, it's theirs. So it's them who are giving you that uh, identity and so forth and helping you to do things and go places and so forth like that. But it tells you all things about your life, right? Now, now uh, uh, you know, your backgrounds and so forth like that. Some of you also, uh, more so from other countries, you have biometrics, so different times when... Some of the folks here have had to renew their visas or something, and they need a, a signature from me, say, as a reference, and then they have their fingerprint, bio, biometrics. And so that tells you something about you. Your fingerprints are uniquely yours, right? Or some people have their phones, and they have facial uh, things, or they have retina color things and so forth to identify themselves on their phone. Go to other countries, they'll get our fingerprints and so forth and take our pictures and all the things like that. Because they want to know who you are, and they're looking at your identity. Now, the thing is, is everybody is different. Okay? There are no two people alike on the planet. We all have different genes and so forth in our bodies, and there's no two people alike. So you have to guard your identity so that it doesn't get stolen, so it doesn't get taken from you, right? So we have external identity here. We have an internal identity also, right? So Genesis 1:27. God created man in his own image, and the image of God created him, male and female, created, created them. And it says then, Genesis 1.27, but man is to resemble God's image. So, so we as people, now we all look different, and yet inside of us we all have a soul that gets born again, our spirit gets born again, and, and uh, we are to resemble him. 
That's the goal, is that we would resemble him. Originally, it was so in the garden with Adam and Eve. Then Adam and Eve fell through sin and lost their spiritual identity. Physically, you say, well, they look the same to me. But spiritually, that changed. They, their identity was stolen by the devil. They lost their internal image. If you lose your internal image, then you, you, you're, you're like you don't know who you are. If you want to know why the world acts the way it acts today is they don't know who they are. They're all looking for things, but most of the time it's in the wrong places. The only way to find your true identity is through the Word of God and through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the only way you can find your true internal energy. So when we are born again, when we are born from above by the Holy Spirit, there is a restoration of our identity. In other words, with our Heavenly Father, we get a new spiritual DNA. The natural, you have DNA. But spiritually, when you're born again, you're born from above by the Holy Spirit. Now you take on your spiritual identity. Everybody has to do this. After Adam's sin, everybody has to do this, okay? Just how it is. It isn't a relationship with your church. It's a relationship with Jesus. So we take on this new spiritual identity. It's a divine nature, but it's activated then by the Holy Spirit. Now, once, once, boom, you get, you get saved. You're forgiven, right? But now to see who we are, we have to get into the Word of God. So the Word of God will tell us who we are in Christ. So sometimes people go to an altar and they pray and they give their life to the Lord and so forth. And then nothing happens because they don't get in the Word of God or they never grow. Or maybe their habits, all, all the bad habits come back again. They, they look like the same old person. So to be changed, we're renewed in the spirit of our mind by the Holy Spirit, by the Word of God. We are changed people. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have to change. <laughs> so, so this new nature of God is activated. He's given us everything we need in Jesus Christ. But now we have to take on those supernatural characteristics. You have natural characteristics. But now supernatural characteristics inside of you, the identity of Jesus. Amen? Amen? It's the same identity as your Heavenly Father. Many people can say they're a Christian, but if you're not acting like Jesus, probably not good. A lot of people kind of get deceived. You know, they say, well, they're a Christian. Watch their feet. Their feet are their actions. So your actions should demonstrate the person who you are on the inside. So if you never read your Bible, or don't want to fellowship in church, or doesn't want to worship the Lord, that's something that should be a warning sign. You're saying you're a Christian, but you don't want to do the things that would draw you closer to Jesus Christ. Incidentally, we welcome everybody who's joining us from around the world. We're so glad, you know, we get a lot of people join us from different countries. And we just want to bless you in the name of Jesus. Whatever country you're joining us from. And there's a number of continents that join us. We just bless you in the name of Jesus. We have a congregation here, but on Sundays with Facebook, our congregation, our congregation tripled. <laughs> so uh, sometimes quadruples. We're very glad about that, but we bless you in Jesus' name. The same applies to you. The Word of God here that I'm reading here in the United States is the same Word of God you have. It doesn't change by location or geography or language or anything like that. Same Word of God. Amen. So we want to take on this spiritual identity that comes through Jesus Christ. And we want to do everything we can now to, to prevent the devil from stealing it from us.
so that we're not different. We want to be different. We should be different. Amen? Now, spiritual, you write these things down. Spiritual identity of theft recurs three ways. Number one is ignorance. People just don't know the Bible. Number two are the lies of the devil. Again, if you know your Bible, you're going to recognize lies. Number three is deception. So the enemy steals, steals spiritual, uh, the enemy steals spiritual identity through ignorance, lies, and deception. Now, all of these things can be cured by being in the Bible. I'm not talking about church. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a wonderful thing. See, you could, you could be here. You could go anywhere from here. But if you have Jesus, you still follow that same identity. It's who, it's who bought you, who owns you. It's who we owe our life to. Amen. I owe my life to Jesus Christ. He is one. There's only one who gave his life for us. His name is Jesus. Incidentally, that is why there's so much power in that name. Power in that name. Heard, heard just, uh, you know, different times when there's tournaments and so forth, you hear people say things. But I heard an athlete come out and say he loved, that he loved Jesus. And I thought, oh, I love that. He didn't say, I love God. God is very generic. There are many gods, many gods. But there's only one name above all names, and his name is Jesus. And there's power in that name. In fact, you're listening, some of you listening, you might feel a little like, you might have just come across this channel, might feel a little like you're outside looking in. But just say the name of Jesus. You don't have to shout it, but I just encourage you, even where you're at, say, Jesus. Just say Jesus. He's as close as the mention of his name. He loves you. He cares for you. Got a great plan for your life. You could wake up at three in the morning to say Jesus. Feel turmoil, just say Jesus. Amen. I tell you what, it splits the darkness. The last thing the devil wants to hear is someone praising the name of Jesus. He hates that. He hates that. He'd rather hear you complain, grumble. He'd rather hear you say, oh, I just call on God. Incidentally, the devil believes in God. So the devil believes in God, too. He's just not following him. He knows who God is, and he knows who Jesus is. So you want to, you wanna, remember in the book of Acts, the demon leaped on the people. He says, I know Paul. I know Jesus. I know Paul. Who are you? <laughs> it's power in the name of, say it again, Jesus. Okay, John 10.10. 10. So our identity, the thief comes to steal. So the devil comes to steal our identity, who we are. And now, just for the world, incidentally, the devil doesn't want people to discover Christ. The devil doesn't want people to come to churches that would preach the gospel to liberate them. So the thief is the devil. Jesus said this, and he comes to steal, kill and destroy. Now, Jesus says, I've come that they would have life and life more abundantly. So Jesus comes to fulfill our lives. He comes to give us a purpose. He comes to make us complete on the inside. Amen? From the very beginning, one of the things the devil did is to get people to question what God said. Right? Genesis 3.1. See, if we can question, well, did God really say that? And so, even, even the garden, and the devil, the devil comes to her and so forth, the serpent, the devil, the beast uh, there, who's cunning, tricky, tricks. And he says to the woman, has God said... So in the world today, you have whole groups of people, denominations and so forth, that now have come to the point, really, now you've got to understand this, folks. Most denominations have abandoned the Bible as the authority of God. They, they, have, 
They have substituted the Bible with their own teachings and their own ideas as the authority of their church. Now, when we substitute, when we leave the Word of God, the Word of God is like an anchor that keeps me steadfast in life. If I push this away, now all of a sudden I have no anchor. And so then the devil comes, well, has God said that? I don't think God has said that. Remember, remember I've said that one of the classic ones, you know, uh, that was said, said in a ministerial meeting and so forth. We're all the children of God. Uh, beg to differ. Because the Bible says we're all, in Galatians, we're all children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. So, the, so it sounds spiritual, but it's only half truth. It's a lie. So it tells everybody, we're all the children of God. And no, we're not. Actually, Jesus, remember, when he was teaching and so forth, and the Pharisees came, and, and then he talked to them very clearly. He says, your father's the devil. It's like, whoa, man, that's harsh. <laughs> yeah, Jesus said it. Your father's the devil. He's a liar. So he didn't, he's not saying your father's my father. We're all the same father. No, no, no. Your father's the devil. They're Jews. People say, well, they're God's children. No, he's saying your father's the devil. We have to understand this now. Jesus brought a real clear, some real clear definitions. And the devil says, you know, that day, you're, he says, well, really what will happen, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Let's just say this. You will be woke. You'll wake up. Hey, 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 if you just listen to this now, really depart from Scripture, you'll wake up and see how life really is. And so people all over the world begin to, they're looking for truth and they're looking for answers and all of a sudden their eyes are open to all kinds of different things, weird things. Something you might think in the natural, like, oh, well, that's, everybody would know that's not true. But you don't know the truth, you, if, if, you don't, if you don't know the truth, you'll never recognize a lie. A good true-false statement when you take a test in class, I don't even know if they give true-false tests anymore. Do they? Do they? Kids, any kids say that? A good true-false statement a question is, it looks mostly true, except for one part false, right? And you're trying, cause, so you have to know what the whole thing is to recognize, uh-oh, that's wrong, false. It's like saying something always when it's maybe some of the time, false. So, so John uh, 8, 44, the devil will give false promises. You're not going to be like God, but we're created in his image, as far as that way, to be in his word. And John, the, Jesus said, you are your father, the devil, the desires your father you want to do. He was a murderer, didn't stand in the truth. There's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. I think it's interesting. He speaks from his own resources. <laughs> well, well, the devil, now I'll say this, the devil knows scripture. So a lot of people can take a scripture, but they want to twist it out of context for their own purposes. That's why it's important we should have Scripture in context, right? That's really why we want you to read the Bible. You know, growing up, Jeannie was in a denomination where no one read the Bible. They just listened to the priest. The priest would tell them everything they needed to know. So no one ever knew the Bible. So when she got saved, she finally got a Bible. Oh, man, I got a Bible. I can read the Bible. See, you're not dependent on me to tell you things that are in the Bible. You should be dependent on the Holy Spirit to teach you things that are in the Bible. It's your responsibility. We can't ever say, you know, I just never heard about this. I don't understand this. No, no, no. Once you become a believer in Christ, now you have the Word of God and He opens things up to us.
The author opens things up to you so you can believe, so you can understand. Amen? So he doesn't want us stumbling in the dark. All right? So the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes to lie. He's the father of lies. Now, Genesis 1.27. Let's go back to this. Now, you should underline this in your Bible. All right? Simple verse. Underline it. So God created man in his own image. He created him. Male and female, he created them. So, the simplicity of scriptures, the simplicity of scriptures is just that there are two genders. Now, the world would say there might be 10 pastor names. Ah, someone else said, I think there's 15. So what happens if, if you lose your anchor, pretty soon you stray and pretty soon, like, it's almost like judges. Everybody does what's right in their own eyes. And that's what they do. But that doesn't make it right. So God, the simplicity of Scripture, people, people can argue and argue. You always have to understand this. If you're in a conversation, you don't want to say, I think. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't say that. Because your opinion does not matter. Your opinion holds no weight. So I will get questions to me. Pastor Dave, what do you think of this? What do you think of this or this or this topic? And what do I want to do? Well, I want to go to a scripture verse to say what the Bible says, which is much better than what I think. So the world is arguing and so forth, and there's debates, and there's debates in denominations, and there's votes, and all the things like that, which a lot would be settled if they simply went by scripture. People will always believe what they want to believe, right? But the important thing is that you or any believer, anybody listening to me is a believer. If you're not a believer, listen to this. God, God made things very simple and not complicated. So the world makes things more and more complex all the time. Now, people will say, well, Pastor Dave, that is just too rigid. That's too rigid. You're just, you're just stuck there, you know, like an old-fashioned person. You know, everything's rigid, you know, and so forth. Now, let's go to... Uh, Let's go to 2 Timothy 3. God gives us standards. Say standards. What I just read in Genesis 1 is a standard. All right? It's a standard. It's, it gives you clarity for your life. All right? Am I a male or am I a female? It gives you a standard. It gives you clarity. All right? Now, the Bible standards always get criticized. And they get criticized because they're too rigid. You Christians, you're just too rigid. The interesting thing is that everybody, listen to me now, everybody in the world lives by standards. Everybody in the world lives by standards. And yet they never criticize those standards. The only standards that, now listen now, close. The only standards that get criticized are standards that come from the Bible. And the reason is, is the enemy knows the word of God is powerful. The enemy knows the Word of God can set people free. The enemy knows it's a truth that will help people live their lives in blessing. So the enemy does not want that standard out there. And he'll get people to say, has God said that? Is that really true? Aren't you really rigid? Do you hate this group and this group and this group? You are, you're a hater of those people. So the enemy will throw insults into your face, accusing you 
of the person of hate, person that doesn't love, person that's not nice, all those things like that. Uh, that's because he know the enemy knows the word of God is powerful. Now, standard. So this bottle is is like uh, uh, half a half a liter. All right. So when we're overseas, we always have bottled water. Usually our bottled water is a little bit bigger, a liter. This is 500 milliliters. So this is a, sta- is a standard, right? If I bought a liter, say, in the United States, it would be a liter in some other country, right? right. Our liter isn't 1,000 liters, and theirs is 855 liters, milliliters. No, no, they're all, a liter is a liter. It's 1,000 milliliters, Correct. A meter here is a meter there. When we come to the Olympics, if we're going to run the 400-meter dash, once we're on the track, it's not, it's not ours is 400 meters and theirs is three, 395 meters. No. A meter is a meter. It's, it's, it's set. A kilometer is a kilometer. Correct? We're not on the metric system. A gallon of milk is a gallon of milk, right? If you get gas at the gas station, if you look at the pumps, you're going to see a tag on the pump that has been inspected, certified. What does that mean? It's certified that if you pay for five gallons, you're going to get five gallons. I don't want four and a half gallons, especially at these prices, right? I want five gallons. From someplace overseas, they will pump it in liters, Right, But the same thing goes. If you pay for so many liters, that's what you get. Now, nobody questions those standards. In France, there's a place that's called the International Institute of Weights and Measures. So all this is certified worldwide. No one questions it. That's how it is. Period. No questions. You could go and say, I don't believe that. That isn't right. And they'd look at you like you're a nut and say, well, better take, take him out of here. Take him to jail, whatever. Because they know you're wrong. They know that you're wrong. Everywhere it is the same. Yet, the only thing people want to criticize is the Bible. And then they want to say, you're rigid. You're rigid. You don't compromise. And you don't compromise with anything else. In the world. And Christians by and large feel like they're backed into a corner. And they don't know what to say. But if you know the word of God you have something to say. Well how many genders are there Pastor Dave? Well let's see Genesis 1. I guess there's two. Two. I can count. One, two. Male, female. Count. One, two. There's two. Well you're crazy. I'm just reading what what I read here. That's why Jesus, Jesus in the New Testament, man shall leave his father and mother, rejoin to his wife, those two, male, female, get married. That's marriage. Now the world wants to fight that, of course. Not just, not just the definition of marriage that is between two people, but listen, understand me. There's no end, see, to what the enemy will drag people through. Because pretty soon, it's not just a gay marriage. Now it's a, now it's a theropoly or whatever. There's three people, and now there's four people. And now pretty soon, someone's marrying their dog. And I'm not kidding. Boy, I hope you don't like dogs that well. Boy, not a good thing. People begin to do what? The scale, there is no, there's no, there's no fixed point anymore. So now everything slides. It's a sliding scale, which creates total chaos in our world. Total chaos in the world. Because why? Because if you don't if you don't know what you believe, if you don't know what the standard is, then anything goes. Right? 
We were, we were in a car, driving with my grandson. We were going, driving him back to college one day, and we're in the car, we're driving, and, and I was behind a slow vehicle, and it was foggy, so you really couldn't see that well. Well, we knew where our intersection was to turn off, and so we're just driving behind this vehicle, so we're a little under the speed limit, just under the speed limit, not much. And up comes behind me another car and swerves over, swerves over, drives, drives by me and the semi in front of me and so forth, and it's head on with another car. And we're watching the whole thing. And he never stopped. The other car took, took the ditch, took the side ditch and so forth. He's just driving away. And I looked at my grandson and I said, that's why we have standards. That person will die. He didn't die there. But he could have. There's a standard. There's a stand- in our country, now in India it's different. In England, Europe, someplace, they drive on the left-hand side. In our country, you drive on the right-hand side. So if you came from your country to our country, you'd say, no, this is the standard here. <laughs> Drive on the right. Why do we do that? So you don't get killed. You can't go out. You can't. A policeman stops you and say, well, I just felt this is how I want to live my life. And he look at you and he says, yeah, I think I'll write another ticket for you, too, for stupidity. <laughs> get one for breaking the law and two for stupidity. Can't do Son, you can't do that. You're going to kill yourself yeah. or somebody else. And that's the thing. See, people think I can do what I want. Well, maybe they die, but who else did they kill? Or a stop sign. <laughs> Running through stop signs. They don't obey stop signs. We had a governor in our state who ran through a stop sign. And years later, before he died, they said, you look at your life, and what do you think of your life? And he said, if there's one thing I could change, I would have stopped at that stop sign. And it ruined his life. And it ruined his reputation. Because we think we can do what we want. But there are standards. Now, the world can say, hey, that doesn't matter to me. Boy, you believe what you want to believe. I'm just telling you, there's still standards. Because would you reap what you sow? If you plant things, you reap bad things. Plant bad things out of the Bible, you're going to reap reap bad things. The Scripture's standards. Scripture's given by inspiration of God. 2 Timothy 3.17. Revelations 22.8. You don't add to the Bible. Right? You don't add to the Bible. Revelations 22, 19, you don't take away from the Bible. I think those verses are up there yet. You don't add, you don't take away. Right? So don't, don't change the Word of God to fit your life. Change your life to fit the Word of God. Amen? Matthew 24, 35, Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, my words will not pass away. They're, why? What does that mean? It says they're fixed. His words are fixed. It doesn't matter if this is 2023 or if it's going to be 2055 and I'll watch from heaven or what. It doesn't matter. The words are fixed. Malachi 3, 6, I am, I am the Lord, I change not. He doesn't change. Hebrews 13, 8 and 9, Jesus Christ remains the same today and yesterday forever. He's the same. He's constant. I'm so glad about that. And then in verse 9 it says, if you go on, have your heart established by grace... But, uh, uh, let's see, Stra- oh, do not be carried away with strange doctrines. So if we're not anchored in Jesus, strange doctrines come along and do what? They want to move us off of the truth. As soon as we get away from the Bible, for anybody, we're in trouble. So you want to stay with Scripture. You want to stay with the Word of God. Now, Politically correct world, in a politically correct world, moral standards are constantly changing. Some of you are older. 
you grew up in a high school and so forth where there was kind of standards. A lot of you grew up in a high school, you called a teacher Mr. or Miss or whatever. Your big offense in school was sticking the gum underneath the chair or throwing it at somebody. Throwing a spit wad. It's a whole different world. Why? Because there are no standards. Why do people don't want to teach in schools? Because there are no standards. You can have principles, but there's no standards. Everything has changed. So rather, rather, than now you, rather than have an institution of learning or an institution of higher education, you just have an institution of free morality. And that's the big thing talked about. That's the big thing trumpeted is the morality issues. Well, I thought we were supposed to learn things like math and sciences and things like that, right? So in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3 and 4, now this is just so good. It says, Paul said, I'm afraid. Now the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. Has God said? And gets her to think. And so pretty soon people are thinking and thinking and they look at things and so forth. And Christians get caught up in this and pretty soon they're on the other side of the fence with everybody else. And So deception comes, deceived Eve by his craftiness. And he says, so your mind may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Say simplicity. Simplicity is part of a word that just means simple. I like simple. Why? Because that's where God is. God is not complicated. Don't make the Bible a complicated book. Because it's not. Don't make your walk of faith complicated. It's not complicated. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not complicated. Okay, it's not, it's not, it's not like, I wonder, I got all these choices. And no, there's just real clear. So, so the simplicity that is in Christ. Now notice, someone may come preaching. Now these, these are people that masquerade as Christians. They're talking about another Jesus. You know, I just think God is this way. And that church over there, they're just too harsh and they're just too mean. And so they're coming to preach another Jesus. It says, whom we have not preached. Or we receive a different spirit. There are different spirits. Which, have we, which you have not received. Now, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, but other people talk about having a spirit. And then it says, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up, uh, you may well put up with it. Now, different gospel. So people will take, uh, denominations have taken the Bible to say, you know, that isn't what it means. Hey, Pastor Dave, that really isn't what I mean. Those words of Jesus and read, you know, that really isn't what he said. You'd be better off reading some of these other books. Now, that very statement came to me at a ministerial meeting in this city, telling me, you can't believe the words of Jesus, from ministers that came to my face and said, you can't believe that. I said, I can't. I said, no, there's these other books. And I said, I don't have those. I'll just stick with this one. I'll just stick with this one. There's safety. I like red letters about Jesus. There's safety in what Jesus said. So you could take any scripture, any, understand this, people can say, we got the Bible, and they can twist it to say what they want it to say. That's so important why if you know scripture and you know the context of scripture, what it's saying, that it, there's truth from cover to cover. It's not a, it's not a, a scale that's moving. Simplicity is good. First Corinthians 1, uh, 2 Corinthians 1.11 Paul was just saying that we conducted ourselves, uh, helping together for us that prayer may be... Uh, did I get the wrong verse there? I might have got the wrong verse there. 
Uh, I want 2 Corinthians 1.11. Maybe I got it wrong. Let me find this second. Or is it first? Let me see. You know, sometimes someone will ask you something and you won't have the answer to say, I don't know right now. Let me go look. I got the wrong verse there. So this is my mistake. I got the wrong verse. Anyway, Paul and them came and they said, we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity. In simplicity and godly sincerity. That's how they lived their lives. That's how they conducted themselves. They were sincere. Doesn't mean they were perfect. Doesn't mean they never made a mistake. But they conducted themselves with simplicity and godly sincerity. First of all, oh, okay. Thank you. Uh, uh, the testimony, our conscience, that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity <clears throat> and godly sincerity. Very important. When I hear messages that are deep and complicated, wow. And we've been to conferences and people go, wow, wasn't that amazing? Wasn't that deep? And they say, like, you're getting the CD and say, no, not going to, no. Because if it's, folks, deep is not good. That's why people, they want revelation, revelation. Well, just let me, let me just tell you, you're going to die there. No one knows when the Lord's coming back. And I always just say this. If you live your life with all your heart for Jesus, you'll be ready no matter what happens. You don't have to figure everything out. You just have to be anchored to the one who knows the truth. Right? Just be anchored to the one who knows the truth. You'll take care of the rest. You know, there's pre-tribulation, mid-tribulation, post-tribulation. And I say, they say, what do you believe? It's pan. It'll all pan out in the end. Why, why divide people on what they believe on when they think God's coming back? It'll pan out. You burn hot for Jesus. I don't have to. If he comes at one o'clock today, I'm ready. Live your life like you're ready, right? That's how you want to live your life. All right. So, so uh, Genesis 11, verse 6. Lies are loud. Truth is simple. In Kings, when God was talking to Elijah, he said, it's a still small voice. Still small voice. You know, where lies are loud and so forth like that. So without an anchor of the word, we drift according to the imagination of our own heart. So in this text, uh, Tower of Babel, the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one. They have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they purpose to do will be held from them. All right? Because the imagination of their heart, nothing which they have imagined to do, will be withheld from them. People, God gave you a brain, Right? But you want your brain to be sanctified. You want it to think godly thoughts, not bad thoughts. You want it to think things according to the scripture, not according to the world. That's why, again, as Christians, why we act different. If you're persecuted, why should we act different? Because of Jesus. We're thinking those godly thoughts, all right? So the devil wants to attack the image of God. Now, listen there. Let's go to Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, the devil wants to alter the image so as the creation of the world, since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen. Now just understand this. Creation of the world, invisible attributes. God's attributes are seen. How are they seen? By everything that he made. First of all, he made us in his image, right? But also, but also he made all of creation. So if he made all of creation, why would I, if he made the sun and the stars, why would I go, why would I go out and worship the sun and the stars? See, the Holy Spirit is always saying, 
No, no, don't worship that. Who made them, though? If he made the animals, why would I worship the animal? Why would I worship an elephant or a cobra or something else? If God made them, let's worship the one who made them. See, see, the Bible says, you know, people are without excuse. Why? Because everything around us is pointing us to who he is, including you. Everything around us is pointing us, pointing people to who God is. All right. So, so it says they are without excuse. They knew God or knew about God. It says they did not glorify him, were not, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, foolish in their, their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise, they became fools. So what happens is, if, if I get out of the Word of God, I'm, rather than walking in the light, I'm beginning to walk in darkness. The Word is a lamp. The Word is light. So if I get out of the Word, if I get out of the light, I begin to walk in darkness. Right? So it says their foolish hearts were darkened. So without the Scripture, any of us could be this way. Right? Any of us could be this way. So we need, we need things to help us steer correctly. Right? Otherwise, pretty soon what happens? Anything goes. Anything goes. I mean, people will think that they're animals. We've talked about that before, furries and so forth, because they identify as an animal. And so they're going to dress or do what an animal does, what they think an animal does. They're called furries. Or there's therians who people feel like they're trapped. They're trapped in their body, but they're another species of some sort. They're therians, and so they believe all these I look this way, but inside I'm this way. In our world, biological determination no longer matters. People want you to forget biology. People want you to forget DNA and chromosomes and so forth. They want to forget that, that boys uh, are XY and girls are XX chromosomes. They want to forget that. They want you to trash science so they can trumpet their ideas. Let me just say, there's even things fixed in science, right? God did this. He did this. So th- that's the problem that they have because you can't change science. Somehow we've got to get around those chromosomes. So people have replaced, you know, truth and objectivity. And they wanted to replace it with raw emotions and get people to construct their own reality. You can do Whatever you want to do, you can live however you want to live. And so, on the grounds of equity and social justice, there's no longer any limits. Whatever someone wants to do, they can do. The freedom to self-identify with anything in the world is out there. Any animal, anything. The simplicity of Scripture is just, he made a male and female. The simplicity of science, well, there's XX and XY chromosomes. They don't add an extra three or four chromosomes to that. Verse 23, they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, birds, four-footed beasts, and so forth. And so now they've changed all these things to make it say what they want to. Now, let me just say something. People think like, oh, what's going on today is just terrible. No, this was written because it was going on then. It's not a new thing. People act like, oh, this is all new. It's not new. That's why the Bible talks about it. People think the Bible is an old book or an ancient book. I beg to differ because if you actually read it, you'd realize, wow, this pertains to my life today. This will help me right now. It'll help anybody watching right now. 
People get confused. People think, who am I and what am I supposed to do? And those are natural questions. Right? Those are natural questions. What am I supposed to do? What kind of, what, what kind of job should I get? And this and all, the, all kinds of things. Like, they're natural questions. It's just you have to channel them in a way that's going to provide you a place of truth and safety. Because the sad thing, folks, the world, as much as it says it loves people and cares about people, doesn't. And they're getting people to harm themselves, getting people to destroy their bodies, getting people to change physically things that can never be unchanged. Well, I could dye my hair, if I had any, I could dye my hair a different color. That'll change, you know. A lot of things that can change. But there's some things that the world advocates for boys and girls and men and women that can never be changed. Isn't it interesting that people, the world's driving people to make these decisions? Why is that? Because it's all against the image of God. It's all against who God is. And the very thing they're saying is the opposite of the truth. God loves people and cares about people. And they're saying, yeah, we love you. Change your sex. Sorry, that can never be undone. There's a lot of things in medicine that I do know. Doctors I do know. It cannot be undone. Nerves that are cut never be changed. Those nerves are cut. Never have a sexual feeling again because it's gone. Because you cut the nerves. Think 10 years later. Well, I think I'll go back to my original state. Nope, no way back. All done. All toast. People think, you know, we have to, we have to uh, make decisions for people from the standpoint that, well, these people are depressed and this will help them. Well, this changes a physical aspect of their body. This changes nothing in their mind. Changes nothing in their heart. Folks, that's sad. I, You've you got to look at the world and realize compassion. God cares about people's hearts. People, people say they're depressed. They're depressed. They're going to commit suicide. Well, they commit suicide anyway. Because they're going to wake up 10 years from now and realize what they did and they'll kill themselves. That's the long-term thing of this, see? People say, do this today, do this today. We've got to have people do this today. And 10 years from now, no, not good. Depression. If we stay with the simplicity of the Word of God, people say, but I've got all these questions. I understand. Let's pray. Let's talk about it. Let's look at what the Scripture says. You know, but I have these feelings. I understand. I understand. God gave you emotions, but now let's steer the emotions to a path of truth and safety. Let's steer, steer it that way. Let's not make decisions as a, as a juvenile that are going to affect you way into your life. Whatever. Someone 35 said, oh, I want to do that. All right, go do it. Whatever. You, you're right. You can do that. You can do whatever you want to do. God gave you that right. But it doesn't make it right. So, so, you know, it says then, well, go on here. So God gave them up to uncleanness, lust of their hearts, dishonor their bodies amongst themselves, change the truth of God for the lie, change what it says here into other lies. People will very vocal say, you cannot believe those Christians. Boy, you can, they are hate mongers. You cannot believe them. And, of course, that's what the devil does. He wants to keep people away from hearing truth. I can tell you, folks, we love a lot of people. We're, Pastor Jeannie's in connection with a lot of people. 
And they're not running from us. They know us. They know our hearts. We love them. It's a good thing. So they gave them up the lust of their hearts, to the lust of their hearts. It says they changed the truth for a lie, worshipped and served the creature, which I talked about before, rather than the creator. Let's go to the next verse in a second. Simplicity. We don't want to exchange the simplicity for confusion. All right? God gave them. Because of all that, God gave them up. God will let people do what they want to do. It's like people say, why would God send someone to hell? He's not sending anybody to hell. You should know this. God never sends, he's never sent and never will send one person to hell. People choose their destination. It's not God who does that because hell was made for the devil and his angels. Jesus said that. Heaven is is for us people. (laughs) All right. So it was never intended that people would go there. But if people want to do what they want to do, God will give them up to any, anything they want to do. All right, you're free to do that. I gave you free will. You can do whatever you want. But it's not his will. I reap from the flesh. If I sow the things of God from the Spirit, I reap the Spirit. Peace of God, presence of God, so on and so forth, right? Uh, verse 28. So it says, they did not want to retain God in their knowledge. So people are doing that. Don't read the Bible. Don't believe this. Isn't it? That's why if, you have, if you're a school teacher and you have the Bible on your desk, boy, that's anathema to people. <laughs> Forbidden. You can't have that book. You can have any book in the library. can't have that book. Now, why is that? Because it's powerful. It's, a, it's just, just the presence of something that says Holy Bible is powerful. It's, that's, that's what gets the world up in arms. Why? Because it's just truth. Simple truth. And if people listen to that, then they won't listen to the devil. <laughs> devil will lose his following, right? <laughs> so they didn't want to retain God in knowledge. God gave them over to, God allowed them to go to a debased mind. Now, a debased mind means it'll get worse and worse and worse. Our society, our world will get worse. Why? Because that's what the world wants. That's what it indicates in the Bible, the last days even, all right? So it'll get worse. They're filled with all these other things. Righteousness, sexual immorality, and so forth. Filled with that because they want to go that way, right? Now let's look at verse 32. Almost done here. Though they're fully aware of God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve to die, they not only do them themselves, but approve and applaud others who practice them. So it's like, hey, this is great. You made that choice. This is great. Yeah, they do that for five minutes, and they're sentencing that person to a lifetime of misery. You cannot change things inside by changing something outside. Can't do that. We are people. We are all people. God made us, made us a spirit being. And the only thing that can, that can fulfill that spirit being is Jesus Christ. So I can try booze, I can try drugs, I can try illicit sex, I can try changing my identity, I, so forth. I don't want to be this person, I don't want to be a man, I'm going to be a woman. I can try all those things. However, it still comes down to the fact, I need Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. Everybody's sitting there with a great empty spot in the world, trying to fill it with things, and the only thing that can fill it is Jesus Christ. Don't think I'm selling the truth? <laughs> Why do people in Hollywood commit suicide? Got millions of dollars, had all kinds of relationships, da, 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 did everything in the spectrum, boom, kill themselves. Why? 
spiritual being. They've had it all. They've had everything they can. No, they don't have it all. They still come to the place. They approve. They applaud. They practice it. This is great. This is great. But the bottom line is, it doesn't matter what anybody says. It's not great. It's sad. Because a person's life will be, in some cases, maybe physically forever changed, destroyed, hurt, harmed. And they say, no, you just have to support everything they do. No, we don't have to support that. I'm going to support the truth. I'll love everybody. I'll love people that I meet, care about them, do the best that I can to help them. But loving, something, loving somebody doesn't mean you approve of their actions. I don't want to approve of the actions of the world that's driving somebody down. Amen. Listen to me online. You can share this with somebody else. That's okay. The simple thing is, is that Jesus loves you. And he loves me. It's nothing is set up. This isn't our church thing. This is what I believe as far as uh, my ideas. But the scripture is good. It's accurate. And if you take it in the context that it was written, you have to understand Jesus loves you. And he's got a better plan than what you're on right now. I came to that realization in a nightclub one night that he loved me, that I needed him. And right there when I committed my life to Christ, right by the bar, right by the dance floor, right with a beer in my hand, and I felt the peace of God come over me. Most wonderful thing. Because you search for all those things. You know, well, we're having a great time. We're drinking. Well, we're having a great time. You know, we're going to, I think St. Patrick would be a little appalled by how his name is used. But anyway, uh, People do that, and there's always a morning after. The morning after, you wake up like, oh, man, cotton mouth, got a headache, I don't feel good. And then my friends talk, taught me, said, well, this is how you overcome that, Dave. you got to start drinking a beer. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. Take one right now. All right, I'll drink one. I'll be a little better. So to overcome your hangover, you drink more right away. Drink more. Do more. But it never solves anything, does it? It's just like anything. Everything's marketed, and that's the sad thing about sports today. There's so much market from alcohol and so forth. But it never shows the guy beating up his wife. It never shows the guy, you know, uh, uh, hurting his girlfriend or something like that, or driving his car drunk and killing someone. Never shows that. Never shows those things. I had a friend that years, years ago in the ministry, you know, he's driving back to Brookings on I-29 and someone coming from a party, a lady from the party, hits him and kills him. He went to heaven. She died too. Sad deal. There's repercussions. Do you understand this? Yeah. The things I do every day has repercussions. I'm planting seeds today for tomorrow. The farmer plants today, knows he's going to have a crop tomorrow. You want to plant good seeds. Turn to your neighbor and say, plant good seeds. Say it even online. Say, plant good seeds. For your life. For your future. And by any means, if you're listening right now and you're thinking about different things, what you want to do, just think about it. Don't make a drastic decision based on someone applauding you, approving you, championing you. Don't make a decision based on that. Make a decision with good advice and counsel, and I would encourage you to go to the Bible. Right? 
Uh, let me read 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. We'll close this. All right. Don't you know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? You're, this is the temple. This, this, is, this building is a facility. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. All right? It's in you. You have it from God. You are not your own. So the reality, and people would say, well, that's just for Christians. God so loved the world that he purchased the world, right? Gave his blood for the world. You were bought, purchased for the price, the blood of Jesus. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Why? Because they belong to God. So glorify him with your physical body now. Glorify him with your spirit. Take care of the temple and also take care of yourself on the inside. Scripture is simple. The lies are loud and confusing. Confusing. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. We want to be a blessing to this world. Amen. We want to help people. We want to encourage people. We want to bless people. We're all just people, right? We're all in this together. Nobody's, nobody's better than anybody else. We're just all in this together to be a light for the Lord. So, Father, I thank you for people that are listening online and people that are here in this church. And I thank you, Lord, for your help and your blessing. And, Lord, helping us in our own thoughts and our own feelings to align them with your thoughts, your feelings, your scripture, Lord. And, Lord, I pray anybody watching that you would also just touch them with your love and your grace, your presence, Jesus. Lead them, Lord. Lead them in a path that's a good path. Guide them, Lord, uh, to hear your voice. We pray they'd hear your voice. They'd make good decisions. We pray this, Lord, for young people growing up today, that they would be lights for you, Jesus, in school. All of them surrounded with all this, this uh, rattle of the world, Lord God. Help them, Lord, to be confident in their faith. Confident in who you are. Thank you, Jesus. You've called us to be light in this world. And Lord, I thank you for blessing people here physically, that you just touch them, their homes, their families, Lord, touch on their jobs, their influence in this society, Lord. I thank you for blessing them in great ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. Hallelujah. There you go. Well, I just feel really strongly like somebody here is desperate for breakthrough of some kind. So I'm just going to be here up front to agree with anybody who it is, okay? Awesome. Awesome. Amen. Amen. Anybody, uh, you want prayer? There's breakthrough in any area, okay? So it doesn't mean you're, oh, they're coming up for prayer. No, no, just come out for prayer. If you, if you want to see breakthrough in any of your area of your life, Amen. All right, let's stand a second. Father, I pray a blessing on people that, Lord, you just come with your spirit and power. Your grace would be upon them. Your countenance would shine upon them. That they would have your supernatural peace. Father, each one of them, I thank you for blessing them in your word, Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen, amen. amen. Shake about ten hands, amen. And then uh, just just uh, as you're ready, come on up. Deb's going to be up here. If you want some prayer, just come on up front. All right. Bless you. It's going to be a great night tonight. Great week ahead. Amen. In Jesus, in Jesus' name.
Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.